0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Teacher Talk Tuesday. I am Dr. Johnny Cruz Craig, your host for today's podcast. I am also honored and blessed to serve as the National Project Director for the DTECH TAG program. This podcast serves to encourage teachers to express their educational experiences, research, and advocacy work. As we use this platform to inform, inspire and develop communities of support, we start to look forward to the conversations that allow this exchange of ideas to happen. We're very excited to announce that we're now on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. On this episode, we are sitting down with Janine Scott, advocate and educator. Janine is a second career teacher who began as a systems engineer for over a decade, but has been teaching math in Detroit Public Schools Community District for 17 years. Janine specializes in using mathematical thinking as a motivator for her students to help them believe that they can reach success. Janine, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Dr. Craig, thank you so much for having me on today. Absolutely, you're quite welcome, and we're excited to have you on the podcast as you share your heart work and your hard work over the 70, 17 years. Um, we're going to dive right into the first question, but I want to say that I'm excited really to, to really learn more about your career, especially as a second career in education, but also from the engineer perspective, because I was a science teacher for 17 years, so all of this is very near and dear to my heart. Um, so with that, your role and how it helps you advocate for students and other teachers. I want to learn more about that as a mathematics teacher with an engineering background. How do you leverage your knowledge to ensure those that both teachers and students are competent in the math strategies and solving processes?
1: Okay. Well, so here's the one thing that I found out coming from an engineering and a technical background. I see mathematics and the use of mathematics differently from a lot of people who have basically just been teaching math. So I'm a mathematics educator that comes from a space where we actually use the mathematics. And so one of students' favorite questions in the whole wide world with a math teacher is, when will we ever use this? When will we ever use this stuff? What? And so teachers, come up with these amazing answers. And the kids never believe them. And so what I normally tell the kids is, you'll never write an equation in real life, but you use equations every single day. And so the only people who write equations in real life are people who are math people. We write the equations to help us visualize what's coming out and how to get it done. But you're doing an equation when you have a certain amount of money, and you're going to the store and you need to buy four different things, but you only have a certain amount of money. That's an equation. Math is like fire. Most people do not know how to create fire from scratch, but we use heat in so many different ways. We use what fire produces. And so even if you don't use these equations that you generate, you use things that gener- that equations Produce. If you watch TV, if you play video games, if you have a cell phone, if you think you're using mathematics, the numbers and the equation that's important because that builds your capacity in your brain. That's your muscle. And then with the students, a lot of times I'll say, you know, like a basketball player or a football player, I see them in the weight room lifting weights. Why are they lifting their weights? They don't do that on the field. They don't go out on the field and lift the weight. And the kids will say, well, to get their muscles to get them, get them sh- strong. That's why we use mathematics, to get your brain strong. Mathematics mm-hmm. is the weight that allows your thinking skills to expand your mind. You can't live without thinking skills. Math is thinking.
0: That is absolutely amazing. You said a lot of nuggets in there. I'm going to try to just break down a little bit of that. I love how you, you know, because I remember students saying that even in science, I would get that same question, but I know for sure math, they do it all the time. And I love how you were able to take real life situations and help them to understand, like, though you may not be doing this particular math equation or this particular thing that I'm teaching you, you live it every day by doing this. And then, you know, you even went deeper and took it to like one of the most, I'm not going to say simple, but practical things, that thinking itself is math. I totally agree with you. Again, I have to go back to the science because that scientific method, I think all of that is a part of that thinking that you just explained. So how do the students respond when, you know, as you have to give them these real life connections as they're asking those questions, how, how, how have you seen them grow? from your responses and them, getting them to see how it really is everyday life?
1: Well, what I find is that they are more accepting of actually doing the equations, Mm -hmm. of doing the math. And I always tell them that really don't care if you have the right answer. What I wanna know is if you're thinking about it, are you starting to think? Are you using your thinking skills? Right and wrong is really a subjective thing but thinking is really what we need and so once my kids buy into that thinking process once they say you know what she's not looking for five she's looking for what steps i took to get to five once they buy into that my students soar you -hmm. know i tell them all the time oh my god you are a math genius and even if you don't know how to multiply pull out that calculator right now so we can get this number done Now, learn your multiplication tables though, because that's super important. And go, you got a little brother, go make them memorize their multiplication tables. And that way you learn it and they learn it and everybody's happy. But multiplication is part of it, but thinking is most of it. And so if you can think, you've got math skills. If you can look both ways,
0: you've got math skills. Can you repeat that? You said multiplications are part of it. Multiplications
1: are part of a multiplication table. That's part of it, but that's not the most. That's just, that's a skill and it's a good skill. But thinking is what's important. I have a calculator. You can use a calculator to multiply, but can you figure out that you need to multiply to get there? And that's where the important thing comes. That's why math is important. Can I think about, wait a minute, I need to multiply. Let me figure it out. If I have to use my fingers and count, if I have to pull a calculator, if I have to ask my 10 year old brother, if I know that I have to get that answer, that's more important than getting the five because the five
0: comes, answer comes. That makes a lot of sense. And um, one of my favorite words is metacognition. And what you just talked about made me think about that word because it's all about that thinking process. And I know, you know, in teaching anybody anything, what I've learned in in, in doing that is once I understand how they're processing and thinking, I can then better identify where that hiccup is or where that, you know, that thought is going wrong or what you're missing thinking. So I hear you saying, and this is bringing back a lot of strategies that I used to have to use as well. So I love that because it just, it's just the truth. And, um, and I just want to, with everything you're saying is really so amazing and it's timely because of where we are in the world and this virtual learning and no people, math, you know, you usually see people in front of people with tangible things and all of this. So we'll talk a little bit more how that's going in distance learning. But when you think about the teaching profession and you think about math teachers and your, your path has been different, you came from the engineering space, right? What do you think? Like in teacher prep programs for someone who didn't have that, I guess, opportunity to serve in an actual math space and then came to teach. What do you think is needed that could enhance math education preparation for regular math teachers that don't go your route? Have so, you ever had that thought? I think about all the time because
1: not only do i teach math i'm a master teacher in the detroit public schools community district and a master teacher is half math teacher half teacher coach mm. and so a lot of times i have the opportunity to work with my colleagues throughout the district and in my school to kind of coach them through thinking processes and what math is really about in my mind what i find mm. with a lot of math teachers is they can do the math they- all do the math. We're good. That's why we're math teachers. We can do the math. But do you understand how doing the math helps our students use the math? So I'm huge on vocabulary, huge on it. You've got to speak the math. You've got to speak the language. Nomenclature is super duper important because they need to understand what's happening with the math. And I must put this part in. I'm a D-tech. I'm a D-tech two person. Metacognition woke me up. I think I heard the word before, because I read a lot, but before I went to DTECH, I never thought about thinking about thinking, even though I do it all the time. And so when I did that training, when I was in that um, set number two co- cohort, that was some of the very best training I have ever had as far as education, because it allowed me to think about. My thinking it allowed me to think about why I'm doing things. It allowed me to help students, especially in high poverty areas. I came out of that session, out of that whole year, because that was the that was super hard too. I'm like, was that harder than my master's degree? That's I, that was a lot, a lot of work, but it was some of the very best work that I have ever done. And I thank you, Dr. Craig, because you that working with uh, my fellow teachers, working with you learning about metacognition, learning about Principal Cafele and the uh, attitude gap, totally and completely ramped up my teaching and ramped up my understanding. And it also helped me express how to get my message across. So when I do speak to other math teachers, I do. We talk a lot about, yeah, that's good that you can do the math. I don't even care that you can do the math. I need to know that you can think the math, that you understand where stuff is coming from and we've got this brand new curriculum in detroit and it's a wonderful curriculum but boy does it make you think about the math and so when we're presenting and i'm talking about this i tell the teacher you got to do all the problems and you got to do all the problems not because you got to be able to give the students the right answer you got to be able to figure out what the students are learning and how it's being presented and if you do these problems and you're looking at the way that this math what this curriculum takes us, your brain should open up and you'll be like, oh my gosh, that's why that's done. Oh my gosh, that's what's going on there. It makes connections that you may have never thought about as a math teacher. I'm very lucky because I've taught 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. And I've taught um, developmental math classes at a community college. So I see the connections. But a lot of math teachers, we stay in our lane. Mm. And when you stay in your lane, you don't know your connections Mm. and that's super super important. So as a math coach, some of the things I talk about is understand the mathematics, but understand how to use it and how we use it. Understand the language and teach your students the language. Don't let them say stuff like parentheses, X plus seven, close the print. That's not how you say it. You either say the sum of X plus seven, or you say the quantity of X a seven. Speak that math so that students know how to code switch. And then also don't worry about right and wrong answers. Worry about did they think that right? Are they thinking, mm. are, is the thinking getting bigger, faster,
0: stronger? That's the power. That is so good. Listen, you and all everything you said that, that speak the math and think the math. I don't know if you got t-shirts or anything with that on it. But let me tell you, you should think about that because that's so powerful. And it's a conversation starter, right? Like that's, I don't know if you use that in your coaching sessions and your openings or something that will make someone think on a whole nother level. And if they don't get it, as they start to hear other people talk about it, it's going to shift them. That's extremely powerful, Janine. That's extremely powerful. So I tell you, I don't know if you have it written down. You said it so naturally, so I know it's a part of who you are, but really think about those things and those little three strong word bites that you come up with and do something with those. I think it'll help the community at large as well as you'll be able to use it in your classroom and in your coaching. I love everything that you're saying. It really is giving me warm, fuzzy feelings because you're called to this, right? You're not just doing this. You're called to this and you're walking in your purpose. And I can feel it. I can hear it. And you're confident and so passionate about it. And that explains why you were among 10 teachers to win the highly coveted regional teacher of the year award. Wow. Congratulations. That's absolutely amazing. Congratulations. Now, what does it mean to you to win an award like this in the middle of a global pandemic? And second part, what do you feel you did as an educator to stand out and win this honor? First, I'll say thank you so much.
1: And when I won that award, you know, I'm one of those people like I play to win. That's just what it happens. I don't play to play. I play to win. And I always put my best foot forward. And so I just knew I was like, when I win, I'm gonna be like, I did it. I did it. But what I really did is I just cried. I I broke down and I cried. I couldn't believe that I actually won it. I knew some of the teachers that I was up against and they're like amazing, amazing teachers. And what happened was I was like, oh my gosh, it's really humbling to know that what you do for kids is recognized not just by the kids cuz I've always been a, a teacher for my students. You're right. I've been called to this because only fools drop out of engineering, right? And 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 come to teaching where you make all that money. I made more money in my 20s than I make now, and that was over, you know, 30 years ago. So, it's one of those things where I it's that is my calling and it, it's just so humbling and so um, inspiring to me to be named as the region 10 teacher of the year in Detroit. I came to Detroit because I wanted to teach kids who looked like me. Okay. I grew up in Lansing where there were some kids who looked like me and some kids who didn't. And what I realized is I was like one, out of 30 or 40 kids in my class. I was the black girl doing, doing the stuff. And I had teachers who encouraged me. I remember every single- Non-white teacher I've had from kindergarten to twelfth grade I can count them on my hands, but I remember little nuggets of things that my teachers, all of who were very helpful, said to me. One of my teachers once said, um, "I'm going to help you because you're not like the rest of them. I'm going to help you get wherever you need to go." And at the time, I thought, "Oh, great!" As I grew up, I was like, "Well, wait a minute. I am like the rest of them. Why wouldn't you help the rest of them?" Mm. I had a counselor who told me. Uh, Yeah, your grade point's not high enough. You should only forget about going to University of Michigan, go to community college. And I went, ran to the Black counselor. (laughs) And I said, "I, I only got admitted to the literature college. I didn't get admitted to the engineering college at U of M. And she told me I should go to the community college. And he looked at me, and now I know what the look meant. And he was like, girl, go on and make this phone call. You get in. No problems. And thank God for those people, those teachers and those educators in my life that allowed me to blossom. So as, and let me go, oh gosh, I'm like getting totally off. But as it comes, it comes full circle, right? I get to win this award where these educators, where people who educate kids recognize me. So now not only do my kids love me and they know what I do, and that's what's super important, but my peers have recognized that, I, that what I do is important. And that meant the world to me. I never thought it would, but it meant the world to me. That's amazing. In the, in the global pandemic, super hard. Super hard because nobody knows how to navigate it, right? So we're all like running by the seat of our house. And so it's very interesting How we're doing everything and everything is brand new so it'll it'll feel um, i I was thinking about this earlier what's going to happen next year how are things going to change what is going to be our new normal because we still don't know because we're still riding that that wave and so i don't during the global pandemic i don't know everything is different everything is weird um it's
0: just i don't know it is. It is. But I, And I think, you know, you have an advantage in, in this space because I know in teaching, you know, when you're doing lesson plans and looking at unit plans and doing curriculum, everything is a reversal, a reverse engineering process, right? And because you are an engineer, your thought processes are different. Not that they're I guess they're different because they're deeper. They're more critical because of the space that you came from. And you understand, again, that metacognitive piece in the engineering and how things click and how it works. So I'm sure that you've been able to bring that to the coaches, to the, you know, the teachers that you coach to your students and it has helped you to thrive in this space. So congratulations again on that. Um, really great to hear that. Um, and, I'm sure there'll be many, many more to come. And I love how you said that, you know, now not even your students know, but the teachers, your peers, they voted you so they know. And I believe that those relationships are going to propel you further than you would ever think or imagine as you continue to bring impact to education in your community and across the nation. Because what I hear from you is it shouldn't just be bottled up and given to Detroit. This needs to go a little bit wider. Because a lot of people need to hear these nuggets that you have, this wisdom that you have in regards to teaching math and in your life. Because like you said, you came from a career where I'm sure you was making some, some, some good coins, many, many good coins, right? But because of your obedience to what you were being called to do, you went into that space. So I want to commend you on that. That's commendable and, for, and you deserve an award for that. How many people would do that? if they were not just being simply obedient to what they were being told to do from the person that they get their instructions from. So yes, that's amazing. Now I going to sort of talk about, you're in an inner city school district and you said you moved from one spot to the other because you wanted to teach children who look like you. Can you help our listeners understand the importance of teaching the whole child and how that affects your students and school community? Absolutely. So when I look at my
1: students, I see these individuals that have a right to be a part of the society that we live in, a full part. And this is extremely impactful as Black Lives Matter comes up, as all of the protests come up, as our students and, and our country as a whole is visually being able to see more and more and more that what Black people have been talking about for years is truly the truth. What as a, as a teacher, when I see my students and I hear them talk and I hear them speak about their lives, I look at the wealth of knowledge and experiences that they have. And I always tell them, just because you don't understand something educationally, That has nothing to do with the level of intelligence that you have. I treat my students as though they are intelligent human beings who deserve a right to a great education because they are. I do not care what level you come into my class at. I'm gonna take you higher if -hmm. you wanna be higher. I tell my students that you always have a goal of getting better because that's how we win. And when you talk about teaching the whole child, once again, that's where DTEC was like big in my life. Because what that allows me to do is take a look at the student and say, okay, let me see who you are. Who are you as a human being? What is your home life like? What is your environment like? What is your culture like? Do you all realize that you come from a culture in Detroit, East Side? Ms. Scott's from the West side, but I used to live on the East side. Really, I'm from Lansing. I tell them I'm from LA, Lansing area. They always laugh at me. But I, do you understand that it's a culture? And do you know how much I respect you, especially my black boys? Because I used to be a middle school teacher. And when I was, when I was in corporate America, I worked for IBM. I used to come and speak to elementary school classes. And I'd see these little kids and they would be like, full of joy and excitement and I'm ready to go. I'm going to be I'm going to be president of the United States. I look at all these little kids and just see all this hope in their eyes. And when I became a teacher I went to middle school initially and I watched where that hope faded and kind of mm-hmm. like as as our kids go through puberty and the reality of life kind of hits them and that street life hits them or that environment hits them. I watched that 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 hope go away in their eyes. And I watched a lot of our kids, especially our boys, barely make it out of the seventh grade and not even get into high school. And so now as a high school teacher, I always tell my students, I respect the fact that you're here because what you have done is you have made it to high school. You have worked through whatever this environment is that you're doing and you come to school. And then you gotta face teachers like me who expect you to learn, no excuses. I'm not taking excuses you i expect your behavior i expect you to be polite and think about other people be thoughtful and i expect you to learn and i always think about i i can't ignore the fact that i know there's a lot going on there but what i do is when i know there's a lot going on there i take the time Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that to help them when i can to give them resources of because sometimes the problems that they have are so far beyond me. I just am like, ooh, Ms. Scott can't really do much. I can listen, but here's, the, uh, here's some other things I can do. I re- can refer, I can do this. I just found out, I think that one of my very, very good math students, and it's hard for me because we're now online, I think that one of the reasons that they're struggling is they don't read well. Um, I've run into this a few times as a math teacher. And, you know, people are like, how are you diagnosing that they can't read? Once again, DTEC. every teacher is a literacy teacher. Every teacher teaches literacy. And so as they start reading the math and start comprehending or not being able to comprehend the math, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this might be where her issues are. So, of course, I contact the English language arts teacher. Let's figure out what we can do to get her ELA up so that she can do this math because we got to read this math and I work with her there so as I look at that and I talk to her mom I talk to her mother they're really scared to come out the house because they've had multiple deaths in Detroit that's one of the things too Detroit was hit hard when the pandemic came out our kids almost all of them know somebody who passed wow and you know or their grandparents I've had kids who have multiple people in their pass from COVID and so we go and we take a look we've got people who are scared to come out and we talk and if fact so I talked to her mom her mom was like we ain't coming out we ain't coming back to school not this year it ain't happening and so we have to figure out how we help her just in general and so when I look at my students and I look at their situations and I look at what they're doing we get together as a team we get together as a community at our school we as a village to support that child. We don't belittle that child. As a matter of fact, the more you're going through, the prouder I am of you because guess what? You made it to school and you still got to face a teacher like me who does not expect you to learn any less because of your environment.
0: Yes, 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 yes. That's so good. And and you really went into where I wanted to go next because you talked to that whole child piece. And not only did you talk to it, you gave an example of how You've actually seen it and your thought patterns. And I think that's important too, because you said you sort of look through a different lens now when you're looking at that whole child, like worry, what's going on with you? What's going on in your home? And then you took it to this very sensitive space that we're in now where so many students and adults are facing so much trauma and grief from death. Like you have to be an educator that understands the whole child to be able to Teach children effectively, efficiently, with F- and, high, and be highly efficacious in this space. Because not only are they losing people, they're living in times we've never lived in. You talked about Black Lives Matter, you know, the, the riots, everything that's going on. And in high school, I know they come and want to talk about some of that. And you said that you listen, right? You listen to them. So I'm so glad to hear that because they have to have that whole social-emotional learning component. I don't care what you are just like everybody's a literacy teacher everybody's a social emotional learning strategist and we have to be as educators in front of children there's no way we can meet their needs if we don't keep that component in there so i'm so glad you broke that down and even shared an example of how you were able to identify something that was holding up someone that you teach and then you brought in wraparound services and you brought your team in and you talked about the culture of your school and how y'all move as a village like This is a great model, and this is a great story, and I'm glad that you're sharing it. So thank you again for that. But I want to dig deeper now into this current state that we're in, this whole distance learning, right? What has your experience been like with moving to distance learning during COVID-19 pandemic? And what strategies have you shared with or been informed of that may help other educators making this same adjustment?
1: So. Distance learning is incredibly different. A lot of teachers said it's so hard and it's, it's so, that, but it's not so much that it's hard, it's that it's so different. There's a lot of moving parts. Teachers, we are masters of controlling everything, but this distance learning is so different that it's hard to control everything. And so what I do, especially as a teacher coach, first thing and foremost, I tell teachers, you give yourself some grace. Um, It's okay. We're all new, everybody's in the pandemic. I tell the kids that too. I'm like, y'all, we all in the pandemic. It's okay, we're gonna get through it. Give your teachers grace, give yourself some grace and let's keep moving. Don't worry about your learning loss. Because I don't believe in that. What I believe is if you learn how to learn, you'll be all right, you good. My goal this year is to teach my kids how to learn no matter what. So when it's time, they can do, make up whatever they've lost, which I don't believe they've lost. I believe they're gaining new experiences in new ways. And that's just going to help their life. But the other thing, I, we're super lucky in Detroit. I mean, just in Detroit Public Schools Community District, at least with the high school math department, we are super lucky. We have an amazing leader who has allowed the teachers to get professional development that is off the chain. He's got these folks who work with him that provide us with everything that we need as far as learning. And so I just I was talking to them the other day and I, I told, um. One of his assistants, you all, you just finished telling me that you're about to You threw all this huge calendar up and I'm overwhelmed because that's, I stay overwhelmed being online, looking at my kids and it's hard, but thank you for providing the professional development because in Detroit, as a math teacher, high school math teacher, if you are not learning new stuff, it's because you don't want to learn because you don't have the time. You have it. As far as the kids are concerned, I talk to them. I tell them a lot. And I tell my teachers, tell your kids how you're feeling. It's hard some days. And my students will have their little icons on. They don't want to put their face on for whatever reason. And some of it is their background. They don't want people to see their house. Others is because they're teenagers and they are doing something (laughs) while we're teaching math or they're riding in the car and they're teenagers. But I tell my students, you know, sometimes as teachers, we need to see you. So if we ask you to turn on your cameras, please do. If you can't, just send us a little message. Um, help us be better. Help me be better. And I talk to my teachers and I tell them, ask your students to help you be better. Ask them to let you know if what you're doing is working or not working. One of the things that I do with my students every single day and week is, is this good? Is what I'm doing working for you? If not, let me know. I've sent them surveys. They talk to me and I always tell them, I work for you. I'm here working my heart out so that you can get a good education. And if what I'm doing is not working, please help me be better. If you talk to your students and you ask them, they'll tell you, because teenagers especially, high school students especially, they'll be like, "Mm, that was no good. But Scott, that was a major fail today. That's a major fail. And I'm like, okay let's let's regroup and try it again and we keep regrouping and trying it again and when they see me do major fails guess what they find out that I'm human and that it's okay to have a major fail and what my kids do is they forgive me when I mess up Mm. I forgive them when they mess up this distance learning one of my girls was like there's no way I can catch up I can't do it. I haven't been doing it. I hadn't done anything for two months, and I was like, "What you about to do? I'm gonna try." I said, "Then you won't, you won't, you will succeed. You have to believe me. If you try, I'll try." And so we worked, and she showed up every day, and she did all this stuff. And then she sent me a message out of the blue and said, "I just want to say thank you. You didn't give up on me, Miss Scott." And because of that, I'm not going to give up on you. You know, that's why we teach. And distance learning, it's hard for us as educators. It's hard for them as students. We've got tools. We've got tons of tools. And they ne- technology never works like it's supposed to. Technology reminds me of people. You can never get everything you expect from it when you expect it. But when you get some good stuff, take it and run with it. And so when we're doing all these, we keep, we try technologies and I'm one of those people who have to be able to make it work. So I try one thing at a time and I get good at it. And then I move on and add, I consistently add to my book of things, of techniques. And so I tell teachers, don't try to do everything at once. Shoot, we're not magicians, we're teachers. We can do our best. And when we're doing our best, we're helping our students understand that they should do their best, and so
0: talk to them. That's good. I, you you shared a lot of um, strategies in there, and what I heard that was really good to me too is um, how you took the perspective of this distance learning and and said, you know, they're not they're not a learning. It's not a learning loss for them. They're really learning new and different things that's going to help them. And if they learn how to learn, then they're gonna forever be able to grow. And another big thing I heard you say in this um, particular, for this particular uh, discussion about COVID-19 and distance learning and where we are now, is I heard how you communicate effectively. And I think that's critical as a strategy because you're not in the classroom with them, but you're communicating with them in different ways. You're meeting them where they are. You're allowing them to see you fail. You're giving them grace. You're asking for their grace. You're allowing them to reflect. All of that is effective communication, right? As you relationship build, as you teach the whole child. So you're bringing all of these strategies into this distance learning space, not only teaching them math, but you're teaching them life. You're modeling life too. You're not just saying, hey, do this, 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 and this. You're saying, hey, I'm human too. I make mistakes and we're going to fail forward together. We're going to get up and we're going to give each other grace and we're going to move forward. So again, it's back to me, to that SEL, that social emotional learning. Like if you didn't have a heart for your students and you were not a highly efficacious teacher, a highly effective teacher, a highly efficient teacher and you didn't know how to communicate you wouldn't have the relationship you have with your children to be able to move them forward to be able to encourage them to be able to make somebody come back from two months of not doing anything and get it done right that is commendable that's amazing and i love you and i thank you for taking the time with our children doing this time like they you are a gift to them and i'm sure many of them realize that and appreciate that now so thank you for sharing those strategies and i'm sure you have so many more strategies for covid19 but i want to talk about something else that you do you also teach an sat prep class focused on growth mindsets yes and positive affirmations how have you seen that integration of focusing on mental preparation and confidence push students to succeed on the sat
1: Okay, well, let's go back to DTECH again. That's when I learned about stereotype threat, which once again, opened my brain, boom. I tell my students and I tell my teachers to tell their students the very same thing. I am the very best teacher, no cap. You are learning from the best. And when you learn from the best, you are the best. Now. I'm the very best teacher that I can be. I really am. And I know there are probably some teachers that might be a little better than me. But as far as my students are concerned, I'm the very best. And so as I start to fight this stereotype threat of them thinking that they have inner city teachers who ain't no good, later for that, I have an engineering degree from one of the top universities in the country. I have a master's in math and science education. I teach at colleges. This teacher right here runs things, and you get to learn from them. So first and foremost, you get to learn from the very best. So you're going to be better. And then let's write some affirmations down. I have a little presentation that I do with my students. 10 things you can do, the top 10 things you can do, have nothing to do with academics that will boost your score on the SAT. And I make them believe that. I also tell my students that my students get higher scores than everybody else in the district. Now, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but in my mind it is. What I know is when we do SAT strategies, their scores go up because they do better than they would have done. And so we start talking about, you guys are great. Let's, let's, do, let's come up with our theme song. Let's say our affirmations. I make each and every one of them do affirmations about how they want to do on the SAT. And then we throw a little bit of, okay, now let's put an affirmation out if you're having a bad day. Let's put an affirmation out about how you want to do academically. I teach the 11th graders. They're this grade that does all the standardized testing. And so we go through mindset and growth mindset and thinking about thinking. And this is how you can get this done. And I know they believe me. I know they believe me because every time we do these little, and I hate standardized tests. I hate them. I understand coming from corporate America that you have to have a way to measure. But I just don't know. I don't really believe that that's the best way. Mm -hmm. But we still work because is what we got and so we work on that and that my kids will they this is what I tell them you have your affirmation you we go to bed early watch your favorite childhood tv show or read the bible or read a book but you go to bed and you go to bed happy you have good thoughts on your mind if you live in one of those drama filled lives because all y'all know some of y'all live in drama go spend the night at a friend's house the night before the test a dr- a free night. Get up in the morning and then ask your mother to cook you a nice breakfast because you have a very important test and maybe she will. She's like my mama she won't. You have to make your own cereal. But maybe she will. And do all these things. And when you do all of these different things, when you get in there and it's time for the test, you walk in like a boss. What's your theme song? We play music. Mine is crazy and love by Beyoncé. So I'm dun, 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 dun. when I walk into the test it's uh-oh 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 oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, oh nana. I walk into the test like a boss and then I take the test like a boss and I don't worry about what I don't know because by the time it's time for me to take that test, it's too late to worry about what I don't know. So I'm gonna just boss it out. I'm gonna fake it till I make it and I'm gonna do better. And by the way, you guys, answer every single question on that test. Guess if you need to, because if you don't guess, you get it wrong. If you do guess, you might get it wrong, but you might get it right. And so we do these strategies. And let me tell you, Dr. Craig, how I know they work if I'm feeling bad and I'm having a bad day, my students are like, Miss Scott, what's your affirmation? Say Mm. your affirmations. Miss Scott, what's your song? What's your feel good song? Put your feel good song on. Let's go, let's play such and such. And they play like Three Little Birds by Bob Marley, which is my make myself feel better song. And they know my songs because we share music because music is important to me. And so I know they work. I know they work because my kids tell me I know they work because when we compare their scores from the first time they took it, after I finished talking all my talk, my nonsense all my stuff, their scores rise because they truly believe that they know. And I was like, y'all the only class in the district that knows this because I'm the only me in the district that teaches this. Now I've shared it with my friends now because I'm a teacher coach. So one of my girlfriends was a teacher. She's made my presentation beautiful and we passed it out. So they get to do it, but they still don't do it like me. Y'all still got me. And they believe me, they buy into it. I'm telling you, the buy-in is real. The stereotype threat starts to fade as you start talking to them about how great they are. And I'm like, you have you guys ever walked into a classroom to take a test and you're the only black person? How do you feel? Hmm. I'm like, whatever, we smarter than all of them. Let me tell you why you are more talented than all of them. Because you come from that environment, you come to school, you have to behave this way. You go there, you have to behave this way. You have to at least have three different, of yourself that's an amazing thing you are just as smart as anybody in the room they buy into it their scores go up
0: that's absolutely amazing and I I thank you for lifting up that stereotype threat I don't know if you know but you know I'll share I've shared it out in several different ways but Dr. Guillory who was our stereotype threat specialist I don't know if you remember her um she passed away in November and it has really been hard for us, you know, that I found out because we learned about stereotype threats from her. She created our brochure. She created our academy. She created that segment, that that module. And uh, you're here and you're just really shared a testimony as to how that content shifted you to be able to take students on a journey through the SAT to have positive self-fulfilling prophecies, right? To understand and debunk all of those stereotype threats of being a teacher in the inner city. Like that's amazing to her life's work. So I thank you for lifting that. And one thing that kept coming in my mind as you were talking and how you you big your students up, right? And you let them know who they are and that they have the best and they're gonna do the best is that you remember our d shirts. It says teachers believing equals students achieving. achieving.
1: Yes, I do. Yep. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. That's exactly what you just explained. Yep. And I keep saying, yes, this is amazing. So, you know, I really was going to ask you directly, what have you seen DTAC doing that is aligned to your efforts to promote equity in education? Well, you have shared that throughout this entire segment of this podcast. You, and I appreciate that because I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that.
1: When I, when I saw that you did these podcasts and then you said if you wanted to do this, I was like, my gosh, I got to be able to do this because Dr. Craig has to understand the effect that that training had on me as a teacher. I was already good. I came out of that training even better. And as I continue to build on stuff, I, in my mind, I get better because of the metacognition that I learned about at DTEC. With the stereotype threat, things that I was kind of doing, because of DTEC, I've been able to research and do it in a, a more um, complete and, and actually more thorough manner. Now that once you put a name to something, you can research and you can get it done. And so DTEC TAG just allows teachers to obtain strategies, to add names to things, to continue the work of, of DTEC, basically. And I, I was just like, they don't have a clue what they did. They upped my level, that training up my level. I'm telling you, I really think that it's on par or better than my master's education because it allowed me to think about how to move my students. The math has always been important because life is math. But when I think about their lives, the whole child, the stereotype threat, all of the things that I learned, the growth mindset, all of the things that I learned with DTEC, it's taken me to a totally different level. And so when I teach with my students, I try to always put things around that. Everything we do is about math. That's what I tell my kids. Matter of fact, the pandemic is about math. And just really quickly, I was just thinking about that. We're doing exponential growth. And as we were talking about exponential growth with my kids and I showed them the graph and they always go, wow. Because you know, day one is this much. Day two is twice as much. It doubles, it doubles, it doubles. They go, wow. I ended it as, look y'all, if the United States of America, if the average citizen understood exponential growth like you do right now, you're like, wow, wow, wow. What if I told you there was something growing exponentially? Like a virus, oh dang, mm, dang. I'm like, see, this is why you need to know math because if everybody in the country understood what exponential growth was when they came out and said that this virus was growing exponentially, everybody would have stayed home for two weeks and it'd have been gone. That's- this is why you need to know some math, y'all. Go tell your parents to put their masks on, go tell your people to be safe. Takes that exponential growth down,
0: okay. I- I- I love how you took that and made it relevant to what was going on. I know that really was um, a good connector for them. And I'm sure as many of them went back into their homes and shared that. So that's really good. I, this has been such a good discussion. Oh my goodness. You need to write a whole book, a whole book. You need a whole book. So this, anything else um, you want to share? How can the people, how can our listeners connect with you?
1: Well, I am on Twitter, I'm at Math Queen Janine. That's what I tell my, I'm the Math Queen. So I'm at Math Queen Janine um, on Twitter. I am at JV Scott, I believe on Facebook. My email, I'm at janine.scottdetroitk12.org. I think I'm JV Scott, maybe I'm JV Scott on Facebook, but feel free to connect with me. Um, anyway, I work for Detroit Public Schools Community District you can search me. I'm the region 10 teacher of the year for 2020, 2021. I love to share ideas. I love to collaborate with people, anybody working with my kids and that's any kid in the country is working with me and I'm happy to share. And thank you. you
0: so much for allowing me to be part of this. Absolutely. we. This has blessed me today, and I'm sure this conversation is going to encourage and inspire so many. Now, for our audience, since we kicked off last year, we've touched on advocacy and action, teacher efficacy through educational endeavors and literacy acquisition, special education, and mentorship, to name a few. For more discussions like this, you can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. While you're listening, leave us some feedback on our social channels at DTECH Change Agent on Twitter, at DTECH underscore change underscore agent on Instagram, and DTECH Change Agent on Facebook. Janine, thank you for sharing how our listeners can connect with you. Y'all connect with this master educator, this master uh, mathematician, and this Soul that's just being obedient to what she was created to do and walking in her divine purpose. You have a wealth of knowledge. Your heart is so pure for what you do. Thank you so much for lifting up what you do, your community, your students, your your school community and colleagues, your leader even, and the work of DTEC and how it has been a part of your life as you have grown. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. So y'all. Listen to this again if you need to. Get a pencil and paper the next time because she dropped many jewels. And we'll see y'all on the next episode of Teacher Talk Tuesday.